what happened was the moral obligation was removed and people started to realize that other than the moral obligation, it didn't play, it didn't make a big difference in their life. And to me, that's a lack of evangelization. It's a lack of conversion. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast in evangelization. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley. Gormley. I almost forgot how to say it. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Gormley. <laughs> Gormley. Have you ever heard of him? And I'm joined by Dave Van Vickle. There, I said it. <laughs> Not giving you a nickname. Welcome, is like Gormley. Giving you a nickname. Welcome, Mr. Gormley. I'm so happy to have a new host today. Um, uh, it's one of those days, yeah. though. Yeah, I just came out of snowpocalypse. Yeah. Didn't have power. <laughs> didn't have water. All right, like just craziness. Yeah, I was one of the lucky ones here in Texas. My pipes did not burst. I had coworkers whose entire first story flooded with an inch of water because they weren't home when their pipes blew up. What? It's been why because they left to avoid the the power outages or something or what? Well, yeah, because the power outages allowed interior pipes to freeze. Exterior pipes. You got to remember in in Houston, especially, we're so close to sea level right. that our pipes aren't buried super right. deep. So you know, and we get a freeze like this once every oh I don't know hundred and eighty years. <laughs> so I mean, like literally, we were hitting records of downtown temperature. At one point, it was colder in Houston than it was in Anchorage, Alaska. I saw that. I saw that. I don't, I don't know how to function in that. I I loved I love the cold momentarily. So we got snow. We had inches, plural, of snow. I've never seen that in Texas. Yeah. Never. I couldn't believe the pictures. I couldn't believe it. But it was awesome. I, I hate snow, even even momentarily. I don't ever. If, if if someone offered to say, like, well, you can live on an island and never see snow again, I it would be no problem for me. I have, I have friends that hate snow so much. Houston wasn't hot enough, and so they took a job. The guy came out of retirement to go to Qatar. Uh <laughs> Uh, you know in the middle east that seems that they, seems crazy they were like i love the desert and i'm like i don't i don't know i how think, to I think that. that's there, too there's much. there's some wounded woundedness in that person's background something <laughs> happened there for sure we need to pray for there was we need to pray for some maybe healing. they fell down a hill yeah, yeah right. they need some healing right. they need some healing so dave what have you been up to lately you got anything cool on the horizon uh well, yeah, I have some stuff coming. I mean, I'm still doing my webinars, and they've been going great. You know, they're growing and um, all over the globe. It's it's been cool to connect with people. You know, like in uh, in in India and Australia, New Zealand, places like that. So that's been really neat. Uh, right now, I'm doing a uh, your webinar. Real quick, let me interrupt you. Your webinar is on bodybuilding, right? No, I wish that'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be so cool <laughs> if I did that. But no, I I'm not there yet for sure. Yet mm. is the key word. Yes. Yet, um, no. But right now, I'm doing a Lenten mission for my Patreon supporters, and that's been great because it's just been kind of an intimate thing. I mean, obviously, it's online, um, but it's been kind of an intimate thing. So that's been really awesome. And tonight's my last night, so um, I'll be happy. I mean, I love having it, but you know how missions are. You're like you're happy to to do them, but then they're stressful. So you're happy to also to have them over. You know. What is it like to do your webinars? Because I don't have, I've never done a webinar like that. I've done Zoom calls where I have yeah. 
you know, the wonderful people out in Nebraska when they had me do a, an event for them in um, Omaha. Yeah. You know, I, I just talked to a Zoom call. Right. What, what is your So, like? yeah. So, I think the Zoom calls are easier because there is a little bit of interaction. Um, so, yeah. what I yeah, do, totally. so I use GoToWebinar and people sign on, right? And so, like, you know, let's say there's 150 people on and I'll just start and, like, uh, you know, like I'll just start talking and what you'll see is like you'll start to sweat because there's almost no interaction. But then there is like a portion of there's a little app that they can ask questions from. So as I'm talking, they'll be all like get little dings that they're asking questions, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and it's been good. So usually what I'll do, the format is I'll like try to I'll talk for like 45 minutes on the specific topic. And, and I've I mean, I think I told you this before, like I'm focusing just on Catholic demonology, Catholic spiritual warfare for these webinars. And then, so I'll do 45 minutes and then people can ask me questions about anything within that topic. So it could be about the specific topic I'm talking about that night, but it could be really anything. And so that it's, it's been awesome. Honestly, I, I really enjoy it. It's been helpful for me to like flesh out my thoughts about certain things that, you know, I, I needed to, and for people to like provide that feedback has been really awesome because, you know, live events, like you're kind of, it's usually like, okay, I'll take six questions, you know, but like, I'll stay sometimes to like 10 30, 11 answering people's questions on these webinars. So we'll start at like eight 30 and it'll be, it'll, it'll sometimes go late. And, and by that time there's only like seven or eight people on, but I, I love it, you know? So, so how does someone get connected with your webinar? Where do they go? Oh, so, um, it's on the Catholic truth about angels and demons.com. It's just on my calendar and they're all free to, uh, to register for some of them I do just for Patreon, but, um, for the most part, it's all free to, to, to hear it live. And then I end up putting them on the Patreon account afterwards. So very cool. Yeah. What very about you? Cool. Now, could you find a longer URL for your, <laughs> the Catholic truth about angels? I knew, and it, when I bought that, I was like, Gomer's going to laugh at this. He's going to think, he's going to think <laughs> that this is funny. Uh, uh, you're one trick pony, Dave. You're a one trick yeah. pony. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So can it can give give me a taste? What is what was the last webinar topic? Like the main topic? Oh, so it was on how um the New Age movement has encroached into American culture. So uh mm-hmm. so I basically took four uh names, big names and principles from the New Age movement and showed how now they are part of like business culture. They're a part of parenting culture. They're a part of all these things and just showing people, uh, you know, just how they're being affected by some of these new age principles and they don't even really realize that they are new age, you know? So, okay. Can I, can I, can I guess what, what maybe one of them is? Sure. Sure. But I mean, you're interested okay. in entrepreneurship, so you'll be able to guess easily because it's filled with Oh, that. really? Yeah. Is it the Enneagram? No, I don't. Is no, that but that would have no. been that would have been if I had done five, I probably would have added that in because that's becoming really popular again. It is, it is, and even Andy Stanley, who's a Protestant pastor, he's he got really big on it for some huh. reason. I don't, I don't understand any of that stuff. Yeah. I have never been tempted by it, but I know, like in the nineties or like the yeah, maybe the early nineties, the Enneagram got really popular. It was a fad. So what are what are some of the the business ones? So the biggest one is like the law of attract, the law of attraction. That's the biggest one, the law of attraction, the law of attraction, which is a famous, famous New Age principle, right? And it comes from, well, it was it comes from these this couple who wrote a book. Um, they called themselves Abraham. That Abraham was teaching the world again, and um, and they taught the law of attraction. 
and then it was made super popular by the book The Secret. I don't know. You've probably heard of that, okay? The Secret. And, and then there was a movie made about it. But The Law of Attraction is basically like that. It's, it's basically a repackaging, an American repackaging of karma that you like, mm. like you speak your desire out to the universe and the universe will oh. give it to you. So like vision boarding and stuff like that, right? Um, in, in a new age sense, right? You can do these things, obviously. And a lot of people are going to be like, what the heck? You know, I do that all the time, but it's not what I'm talking about, right? But um, it is wildly popular in entrepreneurial settings. In fact, um, it's wildly popular in sales conventions, right? Sales conventions are super new age now because of the law of attraction, right? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because these guys like Tony Robbins and stuff like that, they say like, uh, just speak, speak, tell the universe tomorrow you're going to be a millionaire, right? That's that's like their thing, and for everyone there, it's like a way to pump up and everything, and they'll get them to yeah. say that. But get they, on your right, feet, right? Exactly, but they don't realize like this is straight from the New Age movement, and and there's a lot of mm. dark stuff that goes along with it. So, yeah. What? Okay, so one of the reasons why I think this is so fascinating, I know we've talked about it in the past, but. You know, like me and you talk about yoga yeah. and we know that people don't want to hear that it's based on it's 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 solidly encamped and originated from Hindu religion, which is, you know, a very pagan, right. <laughs> pagan religion. Right. And some of the poses are not just cat's pose and all this stuff, but they're literally modeled after the idols that they worship of okay. different gods and different right. things like that. And so you were saying that some yoga can be fine because it is just stretching. But for the most part, the yogis, the actual masters, they're like, nah, man, get them to do the poses and the the religion will follow. Yeah. Well, I wasn't, I yeah, have, I, I wouldn't say what? that I would say some yoga is fine. I, I would say that if you like have a stretch that helps your back and one day you realize it's a yoga stretch, I wouldn't worry about that. But mm. I would never say that yoga is fine. You know, no, not as a, as no, as I, a blanket I, could, I couldn't do it as a blanket statement because it's there's way too much involved in every individual class and every individual video and stuff like that. Right. You yeah. intentions are important in these in these cases. And so you have to not just yeah. worry about your own intention, but the intentions of the people there. So, yeah. okay. I mean, there, okay. yeah, there. So what if you're doing an exercise DVD with Jillian Michaels? Right. Yeah. And you're, you're getting your shred on. Yeah. And Dave, Dave gets the video, so I'm doing a little dance here. But uh, what, what, like, you know, this is just from a, you know, they're not teaching you breathing techniques or any of that stuff. I doubt that. I doubt it. Do you, you do you know of one of those? Okay. I don't know of any. Even well, I know they tell you to breathe, but they don't tell you to do like I've seen not like the repressed breathing. Yeah, I've seen weirdo breathing where they're like, like borderline. It looks like they're hypnotizing. That's themselves. exactly what they're doing. You know, the repressed breathing is yeah. one of the biggest problems with with yoga and and that stuff because you're trying to achieve an altered state of consciousness. And that's that's what's so wrong with that? I hate my current state of consciousness. <laughs> what's wrong with the Yeah, well that's state? a problem. Everybody hates their current state of consciousness. So the uh so yeah, but I've never seen one. Like I I even mm. I remember, I don't remember what it was, so people are going to freak out, but I remember even watching the P90X yoga that I was like mm -hmm. mm, not going to do it, not comfortable with it because it had something to do with like the energy. Now, like he probably wasn't even thinking of prana, which is like right. the divine life force. He probably was thinking of actual energy, but I just I wasn't comfortable with it, you know. 
You know, and for some people listening, when we talk about things like where people say energy and it's coming from a, a very clear pagan background, for you and your sensitivity to these things, it's like me with philosophy yeah. where I have all these, like we, we talked about in the past, like stoicism. There, there's a lot of really wonderful stuff about stoicism, but when the stoics say virtue, they don't mean they right. mean something similar to Aristotle, but not the same thing as Aristotle, right? right? And so one of the things I've found is people that take up different aspects of philosophy, like Ben Ben Franklin, when he says the word virtue, yeah. he's a lot closer to Hume than he is to Thomas Aquinas, and Hume was an anti-theist right. uh, and, and all this stuff. So you have this, it's funny because they use these words, and when you see them in a block quote, you know, on someone's wall, if you don't know the philosophy behind it, you're like, yeah, that sounds like a good thing. And, and honestly, you're interpreting it with, let's say, a, a Christian lens. So you see it as a good thing and you might be saying, well, it's just my stretching my back, my, you know, but it's like, okay, true for you. It is, but it's attached to a whole right. bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Would you say that someone who does yoga, I keep saying yoga because this is the thing that sets everyone off. It does. Would I hate talking that, about this. I'm sweating right now. Having you question me like this. Uh, yeah, because it's controversial yeah, because yeah. everyone does it. Because it's controversial. Because no, because I could give a thesis on this over the next several weeks, and there would still be people who say you're insane. Like that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, because there comes a point where I'm like, yeah, but dude, you're just stretching, right? Okay, yeah. Like I watch all these people, and I'm like, yeah, dude, they're just stretching. Yeah. They're just stretching. Yeah, but well, first of all, I bet you didn't watch all those people and said they're just stretching. I mean, how many videos of yoga do you think you've honestly watched? Uh, at, at least, at least two hours a day. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, you're right. Right. I'm, uh, I'm taking that from the perspective of the people who are going into it. They're saying, I'm just here for the yeah. stretching, but you're saying when you add the breathing and you add the, cause I'll tell you what, someone loaned me a, a, a DVD, a yoga for weight loss. And I was like, what is this crap? So I put it in and every word out of it. Come, let us summon the energy yeah, through right. our sit bones. And I was like, what is a sit bone? Yeah. <laughs> right? so yeah. We did a whole Besi thing. Besides on that. the fact that, like, okay, then then you add, so you so then you add in the repressed breathing. You got me on a soapbox now, and this wasn't even supposed to be our topic. That we, so you yep. add in the repressed breathing, then that can cause issues. Okay. Then you add in the mantra for most people, and and even a lot of very secular yoga places preach a mantra. And mantras for us, it's not like the Jesus prayer. It's very different. It's a it's a form of self hip, hypnotism. Okay? So you got to be careful with stuff like this. Okay? You have to be very mm -hmm. careful with this kind of thing. So taken as a whole, no, I could never give a blanket statement that like people always want me to say this is exactly what they want. They want me to say, "Yeah, if you're just stretching, everything's going to be fine." I'm not going to make a blanket statement like that because I won't it's almost impossible to separate it from the parts that could be spiritually dangerous and on top of that okay what my friend and your friend dr mike cirilla pointed out the other day was when they were talking about the meat sacrifice to idols when paul was talking about that mm -hmm. when he said yeah for you it's not sacrifice to an idol but don't eat it because it's going to cause scandal to your brother and i feel like it's very strange that i can say plenty of controversial things and we won't get emails about it but you say something about yoga, and I will get vitriolic, vehement emails saying that I'm a whack job, right? And that is weird to me. Like, why is that the hill that I'm going to get, you know, hung on, right? It's a strange thing. So, 
So there. So what I would say to our listeners right now is email <laughs> yeah, Dave. <right. laughs> uh, no, is to go onto the webinar when you offer something like this. So I did. Can... I did one on yoga. I did one. So yeah, feel free yeah. to jump on there and. Okay, so if you did one on yoga, could I become a Patreon supporter of you? Which I imagine is patreon.com slash the Catholic no, Truth About not. Angels, Dave Demons, Ghosts, Goblins, it's, No, and it's not. It's patreon.com forward slash Dave Invickle. Yeah, then you would get access Never to heard it. Of but, uh, and thanks for so that little shameless plug that, that you're done. doing right now. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. You see how I back ended that one in there? <laughs> okay, so we actually do have a topic. And uh, I thought this was going to be good. I'm going to read this email um from one of our listeners we're doing a listener show we'll return to more topics going forward i do think the spiritual stuff is important as we try to navigate right the crazy waters of american christianity yeah. and so um as i speak my truth to power Stop. uh let's <laughs> uh let me dive into this from uh listener clint i listened from the beginning but wanted to reach out to y'all to see if you had any advice on an issue I've been having, and I know others are experiencing as well. Y'all have mentioned in your banter, but a lot of the people I serve, and even my close friends, many of whom are considered pretty devout and faithful Catholics, have found themselves falling into a state of numb indifference to the faith, specifically to the church, the mass, and the Eucharist. We can speculate on what may have caused this lack of connection over the last year, which are all from the obligation to the mass, etc. But regardless of how it came to be, the truth is that a lot of people seem to feel like they're falling away from their faith and don't know why. Even though some of them do and want to work on it, uh, uh, usually they say they don't even know why they should care. I've spoken to them and encouraged them so far. Mostly, I've mostly focused on asking them to remember their own testimony and experience with the gospel and with the church prior to all this. I usually refer to them to scripture, especially Paul, Peter, someone else is proclaiming the gospel. So he's pointing them to the charismatic passages. So Dave, why don't we uh, riff on this for about 15 minutes and uh, just kind of break this open because I think this is this is huge. This is widespread for people. Well, yeah, and I think I think I have I really only have one thought about this. And I mean, I I think if I I want to have more, but I I'm I'm interested to hear what you have to say. But here's my one thought. One of the things that COVID has done is exposed weaknesses that were there already that we didn't realize. And I think that, like for instance. The church is in a financial crisis. We had no idea. We had no clue, right? They, we, I mean, most people didn't didn't realize how deeply uh, financially um, in trouble churches were. A lot of churches were until COVID happened. Number two, this idea about now, uh, you know, a lot of bishops are putting the the obligation for Sunday Mass back, which I think is a good thing. And people are saying, well, how many people are actually going to come back? Okay, that's not a new problem. Right. I mean, don't it's not a magic thing that COVID happened and it changed their faith. This had to have been a symptom earlier on and COVID just exposed that. So I would say there there's really nothing new here. It's just now all of a sudden we know about it. I mean, would wouldn't you say? Uh I would say that COVID removed because of the dispensation, it removed the moral yeah. obligation. Okay. And you found out for a lot of people a uh, when you remove the stain of guilt, there was no joy of going forward, right? And, you know, it wasn't just the good pulling them. It was the hell pushing right. them. And, you know, that kind of servile fear is is needed sometimes, but it shouldn't be the basis of your faith. So I will say maybe COVID exposed that for a lot of people. But also the quarantines and all that stuff have had a deeper effect, I think, on us psychologically than maybe we're willing to admit. Okay. And I know for me, I mean, let me just say this, all right, I'm sold out. I love this stuff. But at the same time, 
there were several Sundays where I could have gone to mass and I said no. And I was like, nah. And one of them was I was super nervous about one of my kids was sick. And I was like, well, we got, one of us has to stay at home and blah, blah, blah. And I think it was a holy day. It was the um, Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And I was like, you know what? We're going to have, we didn't have enough masses. That last mass is going to be jam-packed. I don't want to be jam-packed with the kids. So I was like, I'm calling it. And and then I was like, we'll just pray later. Maybe we'll, you know, read the readings. And then I didn't do anything. It just was Michael Gormley chill yeah, out day. Right. Well, I didn't, I don't know if I would even go so far as to say I forgot. Like, I was like, I'm done. Like, I just don't want to even think about it anymore. And it wasn't the God stuff. It was everything being bound up. Like, now my kid is sick. Is it COVID? Right, is it right, this? Is right, it that? Right. You know, and it's just the, it's the whole atmosphere of it. And I don't want to, I don't want to deny what COVID has taken from us by spiritualizing it. But I do think that there, that there's a lot of, we have to be very, uh, zealous to return to normal as quickly as possible in terms of what we offer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because people, people are shifting, they're downshifting their lives. They can't stop working, but it's taking such a toll that a lot of extra stuff is going away. And I'm saying we as a church need to try to get it to normal as much as possible for their mental health. Yeah. I, I would agree a hundred percent that it's time for the restrictions to be lifted and for the bishops to say, it, you know, you, you need to be coming to Sunday Mass. Specifically for the reason that, that I'm going to say here is that, you know, the a vine withers when it's apart, right? I mean, like, he is the vine, we are the branches, and we cannot be separated from him. And so the bishops have to see, like, well, people are dying, right? We got to bring them back to receive him, right, so that the, you know, spiritual life can be brought back into the church. And I, I, I would agree with everything you said that it has taken a major toll. And, you know, when you said that, definitely in our family, it's it's been I, I maybe I have missed mass a lot, but I've seen it as a blessing that I, you know, because it's like we just have so much to do right now, particularly in the last year, that it's like, hmm, I've seen it as a blessing. So I've thought about that myself. What I do think is priests and bishops and DREs and evangelists, just like what you said, we got to start thinking about this. What is what is the return going to be like? How are we going to invite people back to mass? What are we going to what are we going to offer and when and and how soon and and all those kinds of things are going to be, you know, hopefully this downtime has given you time to plan for a while and we're going to be offering high quality stuff, you know, really well thought out strategic evangelization now. Yeah, another thing that I've seen with our parish is a lot of people who are in the beginning steps of conversion, right? Maybe they went on a retreat and something really powerful happened. And I think of our Axe community and the people that go on retreats through the the Axe community. Well, they don't have community right now, right? So all these people who went on a retreat who are nourished by meeting with the same men or women in their small groups and maybe they're English or maybe they're Spanish speaking and that was their, like, especially if you're Spanish speaking, that might be your one foothold into the life of the parish, Right. And now, and because you're a newbie, you know, you, you might still have half your foundation on sand and half on rock. It's so much easier now because of that lack of community, you just fall off. And so what I encourage people to do on their own, one person immediately like wrote to us, uh, I would say end of March when no one knew anything about the status of, of all the restrictions and how long they were going to be. And they said, we need to get a campaign. The staff need to start calling every single elderly person in the parish. 
Now that's cool if you go to a family of your know, your parish of three hundred families. <laughs> you know, we have seven thousand families. So we said no, but everyone in ministry in a ministry should call the people on their list of ministries and check in. And we had some ministries did it and some didn't. It's not like I'm going to enforce it, but that's really important for us to to remember that some people especially on the either on that seeking stage or on that just dropping their nets and following Christ stage they still need the buttress of community and that's been violently ripped from them and uh in, in a lot of horrible ways and so creating those community experiences is one of the things that or the the lack of community sustainment i think covid exposed as well Right. So if you have a parish that's strong on community as a pipeline for evangelization, like through a retreat ministry, that probably took a very hard toll oh, yeah. uh, this time around. So we, we need to look at that and how that can be brought back to normal as quickly as possible as well. Yeah, I would love to know, um, too, if there are like Alpha, Discovering Christ. Um, I, I'd love to know what their out- online outreaches are doing right now. Like do you, do you, you don't offer yeah. any of that, do you? We don't, no. um, because we're in Texas and I do things in person. Right. So, you know, I've been doing stuff in person since June. So, um, you know, I spray everything down and people don't like mass. So I offer a zoom alternative if they want it. But when I teach my classes, I'm there in person and, yeah. and almost a hundred percent will come to me. See, right. Yeah. So we're able to offer stuff. Yeah. I'd love to know like what's, I mean, there, there's bound to be some people who, have uh, jumped these hurdles and are have a thriving community online. I'd love to know what. Oh, that's I mean, been. I can. Yeah. So, for instance, our um, one of the programs that I helped found and I shouldn't say found, I helped launch was El Camino, which is the greatest name ever for a program. Yeah, that's awesome. I got so I know, excited right? when cool. I heard that. El Camino. <laughs> yeah, El Camino. It's our one of our Spanish um, charismatic ministries, and it's awesome. It uses a curriculum from a priest down in Monterrey. And he, he has a whole series called The Kerygma, and he walks people through it. But what he does is he uses devotions to Our Lady and I love things. this. This is awesome. Yes, to communicate the Kerygma. Oh, this is awesome. And you get a bunch of people from Central and South America, and so much uh, of their faith is identified with you know the Our Lady of the Rosary and, and you know obviously Guadalupe and all these things that it, it, the program resonates. Well, they had to go online. I can't, and now I can meet in person, but they don't want to because you can't have food. You have to social distance. Only half the class could even show up, right? And part of that community experience is how the class is communicated, right? Well, guess what? They went online. Uh, sometimes they'll make meals and eat it. You know, everyone will have like the same thing Are you all serious? over the place. This is awesome. yeah, but they have people from a dozen countries. Like oh, they have people awesome. who never came to our parish. So you awesome. got the, our parishioners who come and then you have people and they're like, we're not going to meet on campus. I'm like, no, why not? We can, we, you know, whatever. And they're like, well, we can't have food and you can't tell a Latino not to have food and you can't, uh, we can't hug and kiss each other. So instead we're just going to keep it online. And also we have people from like six different countries joining us that have no affiliation with our parish. That is awesome. Yeah, so that's, you know, it's not like thriving off the, but it's deeply meaningful for these people's lives. So it's a hook bringing them back to the parish. Yeah, see, I this isn't very nuanced, but from the beginning, I've thought that what happened was kind of what you mentioned, you know, the moral obligation was removed. 
and people mm-hmm. started to realize that other than the moral obligation, it didn't play, it didn't make a big difference in their life. And to me, that's a yeah. lack of evangelization. It's a lack of conversion. Mm-hmm. And so I think mm-hmm. that as we loosen the restrictions, I mean, let's see what happens. First of all, let's see what happens as yeah. the, as they loosen the restrictions and they place that obligation back. Let's see what happens. But certainly, the it's the time to keep your head down and continue to preach the gospel the same way, well, maybe not the same way, but more fervently than ever uh, because this kind of uh, chink in our armor has been exposed. Yeah, and I would encourage priests and deacons and bishops who might be listening to this that as you are preaching your homilies and they're being recorded and broadcast and live streamed and all that stuff, you need to um, incorporate that mental health element into the kerygma. I think you can, I think, so for instance, we had a young woman who was giving her testimony at an event and she had mentioned how, listen, I know a lot of us are struggling with depression and anxiety right now. It's a real thing, you know, like really, really be aware of what's happening. And this, this, this teenage girl came up to her sobbing hysterically. And she said, thank you so much for saying that. Um, I don't feel like I'm suffering alone now. And it's one of those things that like sometimes as adults, we definitely take for granted. I totally but do. Mere, I totally do. Yeah. Merely stating like, yeah, man, I'm. I, I'm, I've been depressed. I have been anxious. I have been the allows people to be like, Oh, thank God. It's not just me, even though they know it's not just me, but you do that into the charisma, right? You bring up statements where, you know, um, like the, some of the Psalms, which express the despondency of people in this state, and you can start to get people to resonate with the gospel again with the circumstance. Right. And I think that stuff is powerful. So priests, preachers, whoever it might be, don't ignore that part. I, I lead with my high school students that we meet on campus. I lead with that. Listen, guys, we need to turn to prayer. Why? Because many of us feel alone. Many of us feel isolated. I'm holding this here in person because I don't want you to feel that way. It costs too much of your mental health. But remember, it starts in prayer, guys. So we're going to take our, our our depression, anxiety, our hopes and joys, all that stuff. We're going to take it to the throne of Christ. We're just going to ask for his spirit to replace anything bad within us, right? Take away the the anxiety and the doubting of his faithfulness, and let's just pray. It works. It's not magic, but it's identifying these. Yeah, things. of course it works. Yeah, certainly. It's just taking things captive to the heart of Jesus. But uh, one of the things that we've mentioned several times in the last year uh, that I think should, we could mention again to this topic in, in particular is priests and DREs, we need to be identifying serious intellectual deficits and addressing those. Like, it's very clear mm-hmm. to me from the statements that people are making, they do not understand liturgical theology. And it, at and, all. And, at all. and it's very clear to me also that it's possible that you're a, a full-time church worker and, and you might not even understand. You might feel like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to address that. Well, it's time that we figure that out, right? Because... Like, don't just tell them to come back just because, right? Don't don't say, like, it's better. You have to teach them why we go to the sacrifice of the lamb, right? Why we go and we attend and why it's incarnational and all those things. I, I would address all of those things right now um, as, as we're trying to slowly come out of this thing, you know? Yeah, just to give you a for instance, my wife is being an interim, stepping in and filling out all the the sack prep stuff for kids going their first confession and first Holy communion. And they just did assessments last weekend and and today too. Um, and you know, what's so funny. The number one question she was asked was, can we do confession online? Right. Right. 
Now, priests who are listening, you know how absurd that sounds. That's the people who voice the question. How many more people do you think think that right now? Because I'm going to tell you, it's scarily a lot more than you think. Right. Oh yeah, I can go to confession online. Uh, I'll, I'll 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 take some bread. I'll be at home. I'll watch the mass. My kid will do the first holy communion online. You know, there was an Irish priest who did first holy communions online, which is insane. Gosh, it's so insane. Um, but yeah, this is a real deal, and it really matters. So, uh, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna roll to a commercial break. When we come back, we'll have a little bit more to wrap up. But thank you to our fine folks at Ascension and their wonderful partners. Nestled under the warm Florida sun is a university whose name indicates a vocational call. Ave Maria, which is Latin for Hail Mary, recalls the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary of her future vocation, becoming the mother of God. Enriched by God's grace, Mary freely assents to this call. This is the model for all students. Come to Ave Maria University, where we offer a liberal arts curriculum buoyed by the sacraments. This empowers you to clearly see your vocational call, whatever that call might be. Ave Maria University, your vocation location. Visit AveMaria.edu or call 1-833-AMUSWFL. All right, ladies and gentlemen, back from commercial. I just wanted to start off by saying if you would like to have your listener emails read on the show, email us at EKSB at AscensionPress.com. And uh, we get about three to 20, depending on our topics, a week. And we would love to be able to tackle yours. Sometimes we, we sandwich them all into one episode. Sometimes uh, me and Dave don't have an idea for an episode. So we go to the listener mail. So if you would like to do that, EKSB at AscensionPress.com. It goes to both of us. So, Dave, here is what we're going to do. Three ways that this person in particular, but those of you listening can probably apply it yourself, to overcome the funk, the separation, the drift, the numb indifference, and get people back in the pews. Number one, I'm going to say is, as a friend, do and encourage radical acts of Christian charity. And what I mean by that is just go to a soup kitchen and do that, and then invite other people to join you. Go do something that is movement. I saw a woman with a shirt that said, don't exercise, train. And I love that idea because the idea was you have a specific aim and goal, Train for the couch to 5K. Don't train. Don't just say, well, I'm going to run more, right? Like say, I'm going to go, I'm going to dedicate myself to the homeless this winter and go and do something, get partnered with it and then invite others. I think the exposure to Christian charity is one of the best ways to arouse faith. And Dave, we talked about this on an episode where there was a bunch of um, people who cared more about social justice than the gospel. And you were like, great, they have a heart of servants. Let's talk about it. You know, I think that is a, a radical way to recontextualize the faith. Okay, number two, uh, I think what you need to start thinking about is relating the Eucharist to the charisma. Right, you're still going to be evangelizing, but relating the and that's not a hard jump. Relating your testimony and the charisma to the Holy Eucharist, right? So that people, I mean, we have to be explicit about this. What difference did the Mass make in your life? And 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 we need to speak to that. We need to testify to that. And number three, and this is the final one, it would not be 
an EKSB list, <laughs> practical list, without an examination of conscience. But they're going to be a plot twist on this one. Why are you drifting away? When you're having conversations with your friends, and so Clint here, who's a listener, he's saying he is having these conversations. So this isn't some weird imposing thing. The idea is to ask them and, and try to invite them into a conversation about the drift. Because I think maybe one of those things um, might be the moral frustration kind of going on that that maybe they only had an intellectual attachment to God and it wasn't a life attachment. And then when that nervousness over eternal damnation kind of drifted away with the with the allowance of uh, of missing mass, what ended up happening was they realized, oh, okay, well, for the first time in my life, I've gone six Sundays in a row without going to mass. Maybe my I've spent more time with my family. I'm more chill because I'm not waking up early and yelling at the kids to get out the door and blah, blah, blah. So do an examination because I think the conversation about that is is going to be a part on the path to healing. Agreed. Thanks so much for joining us for every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. We love, love, love being a part of this evangelist community. Uh, hopefully we'll see you or hear you. Hear, you'll hear from us next week. God bless y'all. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear, you'll see, you'll do something. God bless y'all.